0: You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Bath. To find out more about us, visit our website at www.oasisbath.org. Hello and welcome to this podcast from Oasis Church Bath. My name is Jo and I lead the church here alongside a great team of people. This new podcast series is on our Christmas theme of revolution. The birth, life, death and resurrection of Jesus changed the entire world. It turned everything upside down. So during Advent, we're exploring some different elements of this. And today I'm going to be thinking about how revolution begins with believing the impossible. At the beginning of the Christmas story, the angel Gabriel visits Mary to tell her that she's going to become pregnant. I'm going to read this story to you now and you can find it in the Bible in the book of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing is impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. It's kind of a crazy story. Mary was only a teenager, engaged to be married to a man called Joseph. Then an angel turns up, which on its own must have been pretty terrifying, and tells her she's going to become pregnant without having sex. Not only that, but this baby is going to be the son of God. Mary quite rightly asks how this is going to happen. And once it's explained, she consents to the plan and simply says, let it be. I love what the angel says to her. Nothing is impossible with God. When you think of something that's impossible, what do you think of? Maybe you think of huge achievements throughout history. Maybe you think of a crazy daredevil breaking records and taking risks. Maybe you think of a longing or wish that's totally out of your reach. When I think of the word impossible and achieving the impossible, I think of something that breaks the rules, goes against expectations, reverses norms, surprises everyone. In a revolution, rules have to be broken, systems brought down, the natural order of things disrupted or change. What God does here with Mary is break the rules. Unremarkable, powerless teenage girls don't get visited by angels or chosen by God. Do they? They certainly didn't in those times. Virgins don't get pregnant. Old women don't get pregnant. And that's a reference to Elizabeth, who is Mary's cousin, Before this story in the book of Luke, Elizabeth is told that after years and years of trying and failing to have a baby, she too is going to be pregnant and have a son. God brings revolution by breaking the rules. So, who makes these rules that we live by? Governments, yes. Society, yes. Culture, yes. Maybe others in our lives too. But we often make our own rules and we live by those rules even if we're not aware that's what we're doing. So maybe when we think about revolution in our own lives, we also need to think about breaking some of those rules, particularly if they limit us or make us afraid. How many times have you said, I'll never be able to do that? I'm not very good at that. Oh, I don't do that. This thing about me means I can't be, do, achieve that. Or maybe there are others who have said that stuff to you. Oh, you'll never be able to do that. You're just not very good at that. You shouldn't really do that. This particular thing about you means you can't be, do, achieve that. Maybe Mary fell a bit like that. And then this angel comes along and tells her that the rules can be broken, that surprises happen, that nothing is impossible with God. A church leader once told me I would never lead a church. A former friend once told me I would never be able to use my skills and gifts in a church again if I married my wife. I thought I would never find a community where I felt fully accepted and celebrated. All of those things are what I'm living now because I and others around me decided we were going to break those rules. And for me, it's been revolutionary. But breaking rules that need to be broken can be frightening, terrifying, worrying. It's easier to play by the rules and do what people expect, to stick to what we or other people have told us we should do. Gabriel also says something to Mary that can help us. Do not be afraid. I'd have been afraid if I was her too. But as Gabriel explains how what he said is going to happen can happen, she seems to be less afraid. Sometimes we think something is impossible, but it's actually just that we can't see how it's going to happen. If we saw each step in front of us, leading up to that big impossible thing, if we could just see a way, perhaps we'd be less afraid. Now, of course, it's not possible to see every single step of of any plan, even though if you're a planner like me, you'd absolutely love that and find it constantly frustrating that that does not seem to be how God works. But maybe sometimes all we need to do is find the next step. At Oasis Bath, we're in the final stages of a feasibility study on our building. And we now have a really exciting refurbishment plan, which is going to help us modernise and improve our building so we can make it a home for the city. It's so important because we run so much in that building that helps people, from addiction support groups in our food pantry to a new mental health crisis drop-in space and our holiday hunger project make lunch. Anyway, we had a quantity surveyor as part of the feasibility study team, and it's their job to basically tell us how much everything's gonna cost. They estimated that everything we want to do is gonna cost us around 1.7 million pounds. And as soon as I found that out instantly, I felt afraid. How are we going to do that? We're just a small church and maybe I shouldn't have led us down this path and where are we going to get that money from? And why am I freaking out when I knew it was probably going to cost that amount of money anyway, but still, where are we going to get the money from? And how am I going to do it? And what if we can't do it? And what if I let everyone down and £1.7 million, million pounds is such a huge amount of money, etc, etc. You're getting uh, a bit of an insight today as to how my overthinky brain works. But I felt afraid and I start hearing all those voices from others and from within myself. I'll never be able to do this. I'm just not very good at this. I shouldn't do that. Maybe this particular thing about me means I can't achieve this. Then I remember that nothing is impossible for God. That I can break the rules I've made up for myself and the ones that others have spoken to me. That maybe we are a small church, but I know we're capable of doing big things. That it's not all down to me because we have so many amazing and gifted people that are part of our community. That all I need to do is know the next step, just the next step. And over the next few days, I'm reminded of these things again and again. I'm also reminded of something that happened years ago when I worked for a youth work organization running a project called 180. It was a skateboarding project and we had a mobile skate park that fitted into a trailer we towed around and set up in different places. And I think it might be time to tell that story again. So here goes. (laughs) Having a mobile skate park in a trailer that weighs over a ton is great, but also involves some slightly annoying practicalities, such as needing quite a meaty vehicle to tow it. And at first I'd recruited some local volunteers with tow bars on their cars to help us transport the trailer whenever we had a session. After a couple of burnt out clutches and near-death experiences, we decided we needed our own vehicle. We put an advert in our newsletter, and amazingly, someone from a local church gave us a vehicle that could tow the trailer easily. This became lovingly known as The Shogun, a 10-year-old automatic 3-litre 4x4. We had our own vehicle, amazing. But it was 10 years old, and it wasn't long before the dashboard did its own little disco every time you put the key in, and lights came on I didn't even know it had. In the end, we had to ignore the lights because we didn't really know what was actually a problem and what was just the disco. Then came the genie lamp sign. This was the light that just stayed on all the time, no matter what we did. Apparently, some people also call it the oil light. Anyway, it became obvious the car was on its way to motor vehicle heaven, and we needed to think of something fast, because without a vehicle, our project didn't really work. I had a plan that we could just put another advert in the newsletter, and that just like last time, a nice big free 4x4 would arrive on our doorstep and save the day. Guess what? That didn't happen. After lots of research and thinking and dreaming, we decided that the vehicle we needed and wanted, if money wasn't an issue, was a brand new Nissan Navara. Brand new at that time, they cost £25,000. That is well over what the project cost to set up in the first place. Where am I going to get £25,000 from? It was impossible. I decided I needed to test drive the vehicle, mostly because it would be really fun, but also because I needed to see it. I needed to sit in it and ask myself whether this was just a stupid idea or whether it was really something that we could do. I phoned up our local Nissan garage and arranged a date to go and test drive it along with Max, our year-out volunteer at the time. As we walked into the car showroom and registered our arrival, I became aware of some strange looks from the staff. I suddenly remembered what we must look like. A couple of young people with big baggy jeans and hoodies are probably not their usual potential brand new 4x4 customers. They looked a bit scared, like they thought we were going to rob the place. They made lots of checks, looked at our ID and seemed happy enough. It probably didn't then help when I told them that we would be purchasing the vehicle in about two months time and would not need finance as we'd be paying the full amount. The sales assistant paused for quite a long time and said, OK, then. At that point, we didn't have a single penny of the money and I had no idea where it was going to come from. Test driving it was just the most ridiculous amount of fun ever. Oh, and also it totally did the job we needed it to. Towed the right way, it had a large storage space in the back. We wanted one and we were going to get one. I got on the case with grants and found two that were eligible. If we got both of them, these would take us up to about £19,000. If. If is a big if in the world of grant applications. As part of the grant process, we researched how much it would cost to get our logo and details on the side of the vehicle. I was sent a picture of what it would look like and I stuck it on my office wall, knowing that one day we would replace it with a real photo of our own vehicle. Sometimes I think you just need to visualize how you want something to be as well as just talk about it. We prayed, we filled in forms, we waited, we hoped the shogun wouldn't die. The first grant we applied for was for 7,000 pounds A few days after the deadline had passed, I got a phone call from the grant administrator who told me that in their grant criteria, it clearly stated that they did not fund vehicles. My heart sunk as I waved £7,000 goodbye. Then she said something very funny. Next time you make an application to us, please make sure that you read the criteria properly. This time, however, we've decided to make an exception to our rules because we like your project. So we will be awarding you the full amount of £7,000. Yes, we were one step closer. £18,000 to go. Then came the Youth Bank Fund. We'd helped some 180 members apply for some money on our behalf. We'd applied for £12,000, which was a lot of money for one project to receive from a relatively small grant. We were shortlisted, however, and had to take the four lads to a grant panel to give a presentation on 180 and why we needed the money. It was really simple. All we had to do was pick up four young people in the Shogun, take them to a youth centre and let them give their presentation. Then the grant people would discuss it and send us a letter in the post with their decision. Hopefully we'd get the £12,000 and be almost there. It started to become real. It started to feel like we might actually do this. I was using the Shogun that day for an event site visit and had a couple of hours to get back to Bath, pick up the young people and a staff member, then head straight to the presentation. No problem. Plenty of time. After the site visit, I got into the Shogun and started to head back to Bath. I looked at the dashboard and then came the disco, but it was a different kind of disco. Then there were noises, strange noises. I was still 10 miles from Bath and things were getting worse. There was smoke and more noises. I started praying, not now, not today, please. More smoke started coming out of the bonnet and I knew I had to stop. I pulled over in a bus stop and popped the bonnet, staring at the engine, because that's what you do when your car is broken down and you know nothing about cars. The smoke was still coming out and I just didn't know what to do. We didn't have breakdown cover, I was in the middle of nowhere and I had about an hour before I would have to, have to leave to go pick up the lads. The car was still working so I decided to keep going and hope it didn't explode. I drove really slowly and the disco now had a smoke machine. I made it to a village a few miles nearer and pulled to a stop at a pedestrian crossing. The lights turned amber and as I put my foot on the accelerator, nothing. Nothing. Leaping from behind, more smoke, the car wasn't moving. It had died. I burst into tears as cars started to go by me and no one offered to help. I looked around at where I was and of course by a complete coincidence and nothing at all to do with God, I was right outside a massive car garage. Within 30 seconds I had four mechanics pushing the vehicle to safety and within two minutes I knew exactly what was wrong with it. The crank on the engine had gone, which in other words means that the shogun had gone to motor vehicle heaven. In less than one hour, I was supposed to be picking up four lads from all over Bath, taking them to a presentation that might mean we would get £12,000 towards the new vehicle that would ensure the survival of our project. And even if we did get that money, we still had £6,000 more to raise, which I had no idea where to get. I cried again, a lot, all over the four nice mechanics. They looked a bit scared. After I'd stopped crying, I began to think of a plan. We had to make that presentation. We just had to. I took out my phone to call Max at the office. Battery low. Rubbish. I got through and I tried to very quickly and clearly explain the situation. I was still going to be a while getting back to Bath on the bus and I needed him to figure out a way of getting all the lads to the youth centre as well as me and him with no car. He was only 18, possibly the most laid-back person I'd ever met and I'd never really given him any serious responsibility before. I didn't know whether he'd be able to pull it off. After more crying, he seemed to understand it was important and he said he'd sort it then my phone died. The bus ride was 15 minutes, but it felt like three hours. Why had all this happened today, of all days? What, what were we going to do if we didn't get the money? How were we going to run 180 for however long it took to get the new vehicle? And why had I thought I could do this? This is impossible. I have no clue what I'm doing. I can't do this. I don't want to do this anymore. When I arrived back at the office, my jaw dropped On my desk were two piles of paper. They had the names and phone numbers of two of our trustees who had agreed to use their cars to pick up the lads and us and take us to the youth centre. There were maps and directions for both cars. It was exactly what we needed and perfect. Max got a high five. We went to the presentation and we made it on time. The lads did a brilliant job and gave an excellent presentation. I walked out of the building with a cheque for £12,000. There were more tears, but this time there were tears of joy. And if it's possible, there were tears of confidence. Tears because nothing is impossible for God. Tears because we are going to get that car. The next day was so mixed as I had the celebration of winning the grant, but the nightmare of figuring out how we were going to tow our trailer around until we had enough money to buy our new big black truck. It could still be months and we needed it now. Then, God spiced things up a little bit because he obviously felt the last few days had been too boring. He told me to order the new vehicle. It was no audible voice, but a strong sense that I just couldn't ignore. And I tried to fill my day with other things, but I kept feeling it. Order the vehicle, order the vehicle. I think my reply went something like, "What? you have got to be kidding? We don't have don't even have all of the money, and I don't know where the other money's going to come from. Also, I'm probably going to get fired if I order it. Order the vehicle. Order the vehicle. I phoned the Nissan garage and ordered it over the phone. It would take six weeks to arrive, and they needed a seven thousand pound deposit with the other eighteen thousand pound payable on collection. Guess how much money I just cleared in our bank account from our first grant? Seven thousand pound. Done. As I put the phone down, I felt sick. I'm going to get fired. We're going to go bankrupt. The treasurer's going to have a heart attack. I've got six weeks to find six thousand pounds. And There were no more grants to apply for. I didn't have any rich friends. I wasn't really experienced in bank robbery, so it absolutely had to be God. I'd done everything I could. I'd fought with everything in me. It had to be God. A few days later, a church was having a giving day for our charity. They told us what they'd raised every year and what they were expecting to raise this year, and our director budgeted accordingly. They raised £2,000 more than we had expected. This had never happened before. They were surprised. We were surprised. We had £2,000 for the vehicle. £4,000 to go, five weeks left. A week later, I phoned the garage and negotiated £1,000 off the price if we put the garage's name on the back of the truck. £3,000 to go, four weeks left. At this point, I started to panic because I was totally out of ideas. There was literally nothing left for me to do other than pray and hope. It was incredibly scary. About a week later, I walked into the office, turned on the computer as normal and checked my emails. I had an email from an old friend who now managed a large internet florist company. She read the newsletter and knew we wanted to get a new vehicle, but had no idea of the events of the last few weeks. She told me she wanted to donate some money for the company, that she'd prayed about how much and that she'd decided on an amount. Would £3,000 be okay? I couldn't believe it. We'd done it. In the same week, a garage offered us the use of an amazing Land Rover for as long as we needed it, for free. It even had one of those remote starts, so you could start the engine from almost a mile away. This was completely pointless, but great fun to scare people with. Another local man gave us £2,500 for our insurance costs. We had more than enough. More than enough. Within another two weeks, our vehicle was ready, and Max and I went to pick it up. I will never forget that day, as long as I live. As we pulled into the garage, I saw it, this big black truck, spotless, beautiful, ours. We didn't owe any money for it. We didn't have to give it back. It belongs to us. It's ours. As I looked at it, my whole body tingling, I closed my eyes as they filled with tears and I promised God that I would never forget what he had done for us because it's easy to forget and I don't ever want to forget. I remember paying for the final amount putting my pin into the machine as it asked me to pay £17,094.22. pence. I remember the face of the sales assistant as we told him the story of the money. I remember when he put the keys in my hands. I remember him talking through the engine and the spare tyre, but I wasn't listening to a word he was saying. I was just smiling. I remember him saying we were the youngest people he had ever seen by a brand new Navarro. I remember taking it straight to the petrol station and the attendant saying, nice truck. I remember driving back with the stereo on full blast, laughing and crying and singing, feeling relieved for Max that he was taking the other vehicle back at the time. I remember driving past people and seeing them looking at the brand new big black truck, our brand new big black truck. I remember sleeping soundly that night. I remember the picture on my office wall. But most of all, I remember feeling that this was all really about something else. Something much bigger. That story feels like a long time ago now. And of course £25,000 is not £1.7 million. But I was so young and inexperienced, it might as well have been. It felt impossible. But we did it. It wasn't easy, but it happened. And I think of that story every time I feel afraid that I can't do something. So what is there right now that feels impossible to you? Let yourself dream about it happening, just for a few moments. What are the rules in place that make you feel like it can't happen? What do you think and say about yourself that limits what you can do? What have others said about you that makes you feel it's not possible? And how can you take steps towards breaking some of those rules? Can you allow yourself to feel the voice of God telling you you don't need to be afraid? What stories can you draw on from your own life that remind you of how sometimes impossible things are in fact possible? And what's the next step that you might need to take today or in a few days or next week? Just one next step. Do you need to ask someone for help? Sign up for something, read a book, try something new. What can you commit to doing today that takes you one step closer to that revolution in your own life that you long to see? To end then, here's a benediction. May you know and feel the gentle presence of God telling you not to be afraid. May your angel Gabriel appear in every song you listen to, every conversation you overhear, every moment of space, every memory of former obstacles overcome. May your eyes be open to the rules in your life that limit you, whoever put them there. May you have the courage to break those rules. May God reveal the next step you need to take and fill you with the strength to take it. And may you know that nothing is impossible for God and therefore nothing is impossible for you. You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Bath. To find out more about us, visit our website at www.oasisbath.org.